Welcome to Anthropology of Girlhood, a girlhood podcast about theater kids. I'm Alexa Ray Hack. I'm a comedian and storyteller, and I use she/her pronouns. I'm Micah Silver, and I'm a childcare provider, and I use they/them pronouns. And today we are back talking about As Told by Ginger, episodes 11 through 15, continuing to explore the world of Ginger Foutley and her friends. In episode 11, titled The A-Ticket, Ginger gets paired with Ian Richton in her science class, and it turns out he's just using her to get an easy A in the class. In episode 12, it is the school talent show, and Dodie, Macy, and Ginger have to decide to stick with a childhood tradition or to do something a little bit more grown up. In episode 13, Ginger and her friends are in the the musical of, I think, musical version of The Crucible, while Carl and Hoodsy manage to summon a ghost to possess one of them. In episode 14, a snowstorm hits and Macy and Dodie are stranded at Ginger's house and help go rescue the Grippling children from a snowy disaster. And in episode 15, a senator's son is potentially transferring to Lucky Junior High and they assign Courtney uh, to sort of pitch him the school. She gets sick with a food allergy and Ginger has to take her place. As always, go watch the show. This show's so good. It's so good. It It holds up. It's still funny. It makes me cry. And honestly, if you're sleeping on these Ginger episodes, they're more meat on this bone than on the last movie episode we did, so... These. Yeah, this is where the real childhood stuff is happening. Yeah. Follow us on Twitter at Anthro267. Sign up for the Patreon if you want to hear this month's bonus episode, our last Amy Heckerling movie, Loser. You can find us at patreon.com slash Anthro267. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts if that is your platform of choice. And as always, thank you and enjoy. As smart kids, we can probably identify with the this whole lab partner situation. Yeah. Because, like, everybody, when you're the smart kid, like, everybody wants to be your lab partner. Yeah. And it's, like, I, I have in my notes, like, the amount of times that I've been manipulated by someone because... I had the answers and they just, like, wanted the answers. And because I'm autistic, I was like, okay. <laughs> It's it's high. It's a big number. Oh. It's a high number. Yeah, these things happen. But it's just like, yeah, I could really identify with this character, with this struggle of like doing all the work because you know you'll do the best work, but then also resenting that you have to do all the work. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Me on group projects. Right, yeah. Oh, boy. Group projects in general. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> See, I found it really funny. This I found this episode really funny. Because I was accused of flirting with my chemistry lab partner yeah. a lot because we were both nerdy over the same shit. Uh, and he happened to be dating one of my best friends. Mm-hmm. So, like, of course we have things in common. Sure, sure. But anyway, I I loved science class in middle school. Like I said, I went to two middle schools. And the second one I went to was a science and environmentalism centered magnet school. Uh-huh. So, like, our science program was, like, 
really cool. Sure. Like, my first unit when I moved schools was, like, a whole CSI thing where we got to, like, learn how to blood type and, like, looked at, like, how eyeballs change with, like, how you can measure time of death through eyeballs and shit. Oh, it was dope. We even had to do a trial and shit and all of it. It was really cool. And, like, I remember having this love of science and, like, especially as a younger kid and then... It took one bad teacher who didn't, like, understand, who gave me a point off for writing Silverne instead of Silver on an elements test, because... Because it's your name name... and you're dyslexic? Uh Uh-huh. I'm still mad about it. Stupid. But, like, I loved... I love her science teacher because he does seem, like, actually engaged and, like interested in trying yeah. to make science cool for the kids totally. although on a single assignment for 15 percent of your grade is bullshit that's yeah nuts i also have a question about how time passes in this episode yeah because like in the beginning they get their new schedules uh-huh. and then they start chemistry class and then they have a giant 15 percent of your grade test three days into the course yeah I think this show has a a loose sort of relationship uh-huh. with time where they'll like weeks will pass but they won't mention it. We'll just assume, yeah, I think from stuff like that, from yeah. context clues that time has passed. But it's all still within the soccer season cuz Ian's still on Oh yeah. I like it happened in 3 days and 6 weeks at the same time. Weird. I didn't I haven't really caught any we- weird cartoon timey things until now and yeah. it drove me crazy the entire episode. That's a good point. Yeah, there's no other I wonder if it's just like a writing loophole like Mm -hmm. it just seems like the test is just there as a motivating factor and they just needed some kind of fire some kind of conflict to get the story to actually definitely it's a stupid conflict don't stress your kids out that much it is dumb as someone who had really bad test anxiety don't do that especially so early in the term oh that's yeah ludicrous I don't know why I have this in my notes, but can we talk about school lunches? Yeah. There's a great shot of school lunches. There's a few great shots of school yeah, lunches in this I batch of like, episodes. I don't know. It's like a requisite thing that every like adolescent or teen like teenage movie in existence has to have a scene from like Lunch Lady POV, yeah. right? Where we've got the tracking cam following them along following along as they go along the lunch line and i just i noticed it because i was like this is not at all what my lunch line looked no, like no mine was a counter right yeah Our, yeah ours was just like two windows into the kitchen and it was like fucking like the back of a restaurant where you like pass the food out and yeah, it was just, just like just a pass through right yeah. where they would just like give you a full tray yeah. and you would run you would, off with it there yeah. was two choices you take one right right and then yeah that's in middle school, it was just like, here's your tray. Right. And then in high school, it was like a total fucking free-for-all. They just, like, gave you credits, and then there was a lunch line where you could buy lunch with your credits, but there was also just, like, a corner mm-hmm. store, like, a corner store, basically. Yeah. Where you could get, you know, convenience food, but also, like, bagels and nachos. Yeah. And, like, that kind of thing. It was just in watching the show that I realized, like... Oh, that sure contributed to my eating disorder because I definitely ate just a bagel or a muffin for lunch every day in high school. (laughs) That was super healthy of me. (laughs) 
how many times did I tell my mom I was buying lunch and just right yeah you bought, know how many like, times I well because I certainly never got like allowance or anything as a kid yeah so I would just skim my lunch money and not eat lunch and use it to buy hero clicks or whatever you I say nerd! or whatever I say or whatever it definitely was specifically hero clicks you nerd yeah. you poor poor nerd yeah well, this is who I am. I, I live here. Uh, you seem to enjoy it most of the time. <laughs> I do, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, school lunches were wild. As a junior, we were allowed to go off campus, go get food. And that really made it, made lunch a little bit easier. Totally. And like, because there was a Panera also like across the street from my work or from my school. And there was like, because it was near a mall and a school, they had built right, right. a bunch of options. Noodle and Company. There was a Noodles and Company near my high school too. Fucking love Noodles Always and Company. Always a line out the door at lunchtime. As a service worker now, I could never work in those. I hate when teenagers come into my store. It's, they're the worst. Especially in big groups. They're usually very sweet. They're very kind. They buy cheap things, they don't tip, and they sit for hours. Yeah. It's just not the best type of customer. <laughs> because, like, this is why we need a third space, right? This yeah! This is why we need, like, public parks and, you know, like, open libraries and, like, a salon or something. You uh, know, just, like, a yeah. place that's not a coffee shop where you don't have to buy anything to just go hang out in a building that's not your house. My my first middle school, Toki, had a public library across the street from it, and my friends and I would just go hang out at their like youth program exactly. at the end of the, and like we would play DDR, and that was also it was in the magazine room, and it was the first time I saw Cosmopolitan magazine. Did it change your life? Fergie was on the cover, <gasps> and I was one of the first times I went. Girls are pretty in a way that like, <laughs> I was like, oh, oh I might be gay. Okay. <laughs> oh, girls are pretty. <laughs> Funny. I hadn't thought about that in a while. <laughs> uh, oh, the other thing I wanted to talk about is like, you're right that this the science teacher in the show is really good and interesting. And it's funny how that stuff really falls off by the time you're in high school. Yeah. It's like, I especially remember the like fifth to eighth fifth to seventh grade maybe years yep. were like very interesting and also very informative and as a result i actually remember a lot of that yeah. stuff whereas a lot of the stuff i learned in high school they just like boringly crammed down your throat and you had to learn like you know chemical formulas and yeah. like physics equations and like none of it was tied to anything and so i don't remember any of that shit for me it was like fifth through seventh was really cool and really engaging eighth through ninth and like eighth through tenth were really like boring right and then once you, you got to pick, to pick all, all your own right and then as soon as you got to like end, do all yeah. the specialized shit like that's where the teachers are like actually passionate about what they're teaching right like i got to take astronomy for a year and like was the coolest science and i still yeah. remember a ton of that shit yeah shout out to mr kamozi i think you're still teaching i want to i want to go back to the food thing actually because i have a question for you oh totally did you ever have a food fight at school? Because I think these are made up. I think no. this is a TV only thing because I have never in my life seen a food fight. I know. I keep thinking that it must be a thing of a bygone era that has only like continued to exist through media because no, I've never seen a food fight. And like once or twice I have seen food hurled at people. Yes. But in, like there were always like 
aides, teachers or whatever, hanging around the lunchroom, and they shut that shit down immediately. Yeah. Uh, or even your friends would be like, hey, fucko, don't throw food. I'm trying to study right. here or whatever. Yeah, like, the closest it came to was you were standing near the trash can and someone threw their lunch into the trash can. Yeah. Um. Or, like, I'm sure I Once missed... or twice, somebody, you know, somebody do that thing where you can, like, put something on the back of a spoon. Yeah. And you flick the spoon and it hurl, you know, it yeah. flings a thing and somebody get hit in the face with a piece of mashed potatoes or whatever. Yeah. But, like, that was the end of it. it yeah. It was just like, uh, ha fuck you, I hit you with mashed potatoes. <laughs> and you were like, okay, asshole. Never did we all collectively go, let's... All collectively go, let's ruin, ruin our entire day and all get fucking suspended so we can hurl that disgusting wet food at each... Ugh. Ugh. I know. Just I like, like the idea I of cringe. all the, like, stick... Sticky, I, gross. You would be so sticky. I, I For would, so long. I would have such a meltdown. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. No, oh, thank you. I would, yeah, I would go home immediately. Oh, and then, yeah, we have a, this is one, I'm sure we have a lot to say about this talent show. Yeah. They had a talent show in episode 12. And it's fun because I do think that the age they're at, are they in seventh grade? I think they're in seventh grade or eighth because they go to the high school. Yeah. Is really the age where you start to like figure out how to transition away from like kid stuff. Yeah. And, like, heavy yeah, yeah. end quotes. Like you kind of try and figure out your adult identity often like in opposition to like your childhood identity, which is sort of what we're dealing with yeah. here, which is like this seal girl thing is an integral part of our sort of identity as a as a you know friend relationship but it kind of has to die in order to make room for like us as adults yeah it's kind of like your first visible step to growing up totally and it's like it's the first one you remember yeah and it's like it's the first time you get to also question like do i actually like this or was this just around right and this it also is like there's a big difference in how you're viewed doing a talent show when you're in fifth grade versus when you're in sixth grade yeah and like learning like that you have to start thinking about others opinions of you that that you have to but like that but that that's a thing that will be expected of you that you know that other people's opinions are starting to add pressure to your life and you are starting to think about where you stand within the society versus just like as an individual and it's a really it's a weird time yeah definitely it's a weird time yeah yeah i think that's why i like talking about this time so much more than talking about high school yeah because i feel like 12 to 15 maybe 16 and maybe 11 but you know like Mm -hmm. that age in there is really where a lot of the identity building gets done oh absolutely because i mean you know this as a person who like has studied child development like you know you have periods of like community development and then individual development and like the first one of those is when you start school and you have to figure out how to be a member of a community And then you have to figure out how to be yourself within that community. Yep. And then the pressure to fit in starts when you become a teenager, but also the pressure to, like, individualize. And that's the first time when both of those pressures are fighting each other. Yeah. At once, right? Yeah. So that it's just so interesting because, like, I think maybe all of the formative experiences of my life happened in that age range. I mean, a lot of my high school time is very memorable 
but maybe not as formative, I think, because, you know, I sort of already formed. Not that a high school no, I totally fully get... formed, but... No, I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, I can totally see that. I think I remember more of middle school and, like, what going through that than I do high school. And I think it is because it's stuck with me longer and, like, yeah. is kind of like those... Uh, if we use the inside-out analogy, those, like, core memories of... Uh-huh yourself and like i think it's also like in that time period i think one reason it like hits so hard and why it is again is because it's like the first time you are aware of it happening right and like you have it's like that first it's the first taste of existential dread of like totally yeah how do i fit in and because you do have this you have this constant question in your head of how do i fit in but also be myself right which like we see in a really fun way with ginger in the last episode exactly yeah which i really loved and seeing her like because there is there is a reward and there is a you know there are perks to conforming and making yourself part of that circle and like doing the things you want to and there's nothing wrong with it it's just a choice you have to make right it's, is and it's around this age where you start to have to make that choice right of like am i gonna keep up am i gonna try and do all this stuff or am i gonna just find a group of friends and ride it out am i gonna be somewhere in the middle like you know you have to figure right. that stuff out this is why we need to provide therapy to kids yeah because that's hard yeah like I am a 27-year-old adult who is still figuring out who I am, and it is some of the hardest work I have done. Yeah. I also think this is part of why you shouldn't force high school students to think about their future profession. Oh, absolutely not. I think high school and college, well, my thoughts on this are complicated, are extensive, but, like, I think high school should just be about identity building. Absolutely. Like, it should just, and it should... Like, even not be education as much at that point. Like, truly, I think you can do most of the, like, physics, chemistry, math, all the stuff you need. You could do that stuff in middle school and make it interesting. Yeah. And then by the time you get to high school, you can do stuff like critical thinking and the studying other cultures and, you know, things that are not, like curriculum exactly no but but our life skills accounting like stuff like that yeah that is not taught in school you know emotional regulation stuff that's not taught in school but absolutely should be because it's absolutely a skill that every person should be required to have and let kids start chasing like specialized education earlier exactly like let like i hate this like well they don't know what they want and they could change their mind so let them yeah you know let them go down avenues and like you know like take grayson's nephew who's super into space and right. like just letting him get super into space and, and you know what maybe he won't be into space when he turns 10 but like he learned cares? how to learn yeah. he got like he found out that he can do almost anything he sets his mind to if he has the drive to right right and like he has learned in a really amazing supportive way how to continue his education which is like the more we can pull shame away from learning the better because how many of us as adults love learning and love trying to find new information but the idea of going back to school is paralyzing because we don't fit into that system right right 
Exactly. And yeah, it's because it's a system that is not designed to teach. It's designed to enforce conformity. Yeah. And even in college, like, it's not that much better. No, you still have to jump through, like, three years of hoops before you can, like, start taking anything that you are actually interested in. Right. Yeah. And then still, like, your teachers are just handing you useless work, or your professors, sorry, are just, like, handing you work to hand you work that's not going to be on the test. And, you know, like, you have to learn all the ins and outs. Like, it's, yeah, it's fucking stupid. We need to change our education system. Yeah, badly. It's pretty terrible. Burn it to the ground. Start all over. Uh, like everything else in this country. Oh, yeah. yeah. So you know, it's funny. We have like the talent show episode and the school play episode like back to back. Right. I love um, it. Because this play. This play confuses me. It At first I was like, oh, they're doing like the crucible, but they changed the name. They filed the serial numbers off. Right. Because they it, don't want to pay rights right. for the crucible, which, okay. But then there's musical numbers <laughs> this is the singing crucible i mean how many drama teachers do you know who would totally pull this shit off <laughs> i feel like i definitely know a drama teacher or two who if you pitched them like the musical crucible they would get super stoked but i'm not saying it would be good and i'm double not saying that i would give it to 13 year olds no that's part of my point i also just think that like Middle school plays are a special level of hell. <laughs> there is... I, I Shout out to my parents who sat through, like, two. Right? I wasn't like, even on stage for the first one. <laughs> like, young performers are, like, that's a bad enough thing before they, you know, like, develop all the skill and right. dexterity. And it's like, you really probably shouldn't be even playing concerts yet, but we're... This is a school. We have Uh to show it off to the parents. But that's a special level of bad. But then when it comes to acting, I just think there is like a bone, like an acting bone that children don't have yet where they can't understand that acting is just speaking as someone else. It's because they haven't experienced everything yet. They right, don't, they haven't, like... They don't know how to pull on their experiences. They don't know how to, like... Yeah, you exactly. Know, they, they haven't felt heartbreak. But it feels like when kids act, right, everything has to be acted like this. I am acting. I am doing a play. But it's like, that's not how anyone talks. And so it's not convincing to do that. Right? Like, we get that you have to project, but you also have to be a human being. Anyway, that's all. I probably shouldn't make fun of 13-year-olds, but here we are. This is where we live. (laughs) My parents are wonderful for sitting through this, and I um, don't know. I don't know how they did it. I would not be able to do it, at least sober. But when I was, like, six or seven, yeah, five to seven, somewhere in that range, my parents let me go to, signed me up and let me go to an after-school theater program uh-huh. where we put on, we, like, practiced and put on a musical. Uh-huh. It was about bugs. I remember that. It was called Bugs. This was a real musical? You didn't write it yourself? No. Okay. This okay. was a real thing. At least the teacher could have written it. I don't know. I don't remember. But like there was a CD and we, you Uh know, sang a lot. Oh. (laughs) How middle school musical of you. Oh, yeah. So uh, my first tech job in theater that I ever did was in my seventh grade production of Guys and Dolls. My job was to press play on the CD player so the music would start. Wow. Yeah. That's 
amazing. Right. <laughs> my teacher encouraged me to sign up for tech because I had just moved and I didn't know anybody. Fair. And that's she knew, probably. And she knew the theater kids would accept me. <laughs> theater kids will take anybody. That's what's great about theater. Okay, but can we talk about? Because we get we get Miranda as a like theater kiddish uh-huh. on this, as we all know. Theater kids are kind of the worst. Right. Thirteen-year-old theater kids. Double the worst. Double the worst. Like, some of, like, again, with theater, some of the kindest, most amazing human beings you will meet. Right. But also some of the pettiest, right. cattiest, overdramatic, yeah. bull- I, there was always drama. Well, and I think a big part of it is because, is like, theater kids have learned to banish their shame. Yeah. I think that's kind of the same reason that, like, comics can be kind of horrible. Yeah. Uh, is because, like, in order to do comedy, and especially improv, like, you kind of have to learn to never feel bad about anything you say. Because if you start to, like, second guess and feel bad about your jokes or the things that you say, like, you'll be crippled and you'll never be able to do it. Right. Um. So you have to kind of, like be able to turn off your shame a little bit so that because otherwise every time you bomb you fucking shit your pants right and i think it's kind of the same thing with theater kids and it's just like it's extra obnoxious because kids are more tuned into that shame Mm -hmm. that like societal sort of pressure than other people are because when you meet an adult who is like a theater kid you're like wow this person's so fun they're energetic like this is so nice right. like they seem so like themselves they seem like not concerned right but then as a kid it's fucking obnoxious because you're like all we all are is concerned about what everybody else is thinking of us and you just do whatever the fuck you want because you feel nothing yeah that's why theater kids are the worst yeah. I cracked it. You You're did. welcome, internet. I love this school play episode. We've watched, up to this point, 13 episodes of this show. Right. It's been an incredibly realistic, grounded portrayal of the real lives of, like, human teenagers. And then all of a sudden, just fully confirms ghosts and the afterlife and mediums. Like... <laughs> Maud came back Maud comes back from the dead and like possesses Hoodsy like and then haunts Lois yeah like this grounded TV show about real human teenagers just confirmed that the afterlife is real and that ghosts can come back and they can take over human bodies that is a big wrench to throw in this show but also remember this is a show that let a kid get bitten by a monkey start acting weird and at no point did a doctor go he's fine he's just being (laughs) like this being like this that's true i do think yeah all the carl plot lines are a little bit like cranked up yeah i I feel like carl is the is there to remind us it's a cartoon right it's so funny because sometimes watching this show it almost feels like there's like two separate writers rooms yeah right? like one group of people is just breaking ginger stories and the other group of people is just breaking carl stories and like the ginger team they're writing like really interesting grounded drama about like the human condition and the carl team is just like writing wacky comedy about fucking body parts <laughs> And, 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 like, crazed monkeys and stuff. 
And, like, sometimes they pass notes to each other, but they don't work together. No, they definitely do not work together. <laughs> because, like, the A and B stories, like, sometimes they're kind of, they kind of rhyme. Like, right. They kind of interact a little bit. And sometimes it's just like, well, we just needed Carl to do some fucking wild shit for a few minutes. Break up this ginger story a little. Okay, but can we talk about Carl meeting his idol? The, like, the, the whole... weird recluse. The, the weird recluse, yes. Who, like, I'm like, of course you want to grow up to be... Also, I kind of want to be this dude. I did like the talking moose head in his house. Yeah, right? Fucking creepy, but I would get one. Right. <laughs> Living out here in Seattle, I love that a snow day is three inches of snow. Right? It's... Not even. Not even. But, like, it makes sense. Our city's not set up for it. Like, I'm not going to be the asshole who, like, shames Seattle for not understanding winter. Right. But back home, it would snow, what, like, a foot and a half, and you still can go catch the public school bus and get your ass to school. Yeah. Nothing nothing even slows down. It's like, yeah, you're expected to just, oh, you had to shovel two hours to get your car out of your driveway? It's like, okay, First and second period are canceled. Come in for third. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, I remember snow days meaning that the snow banks at the end of my street were taller than me by, like, a good oh, foot yeah. and a half. Yeah. We almost never got snow days because of actual snow. No. Like, in order to get a snow day for actual snow, you had to get, like, th- like two feet of snow in a very short amount of time. And, like, yeah, it had to start snowing, like, if it's... It had to start snowing at, like, 2, 3, 4 in the morning. morning. exactly. Because, like, otherwise the plows would have too much time to keep up with it. Because, like, the thing about Wisconsin snow is, like, as soon as it starts snowing, the plows just go out and start. Like, yeah. Like, they just start... And then it never accumulates to the point where it's three feet of snow because they're only plowing six inches at a time. Right. Um, But then, yeah, so usually by the morning, the roads are clear enough for everybody to go to school unless the snow starts really late. Which, those are my favorite snow days. Or unless it was an ice storm. Ice storm, I was going to say. more common. I am. Is like everything is covered in ice and it's like soup, not, not safe for anybody to go anywhere. We had a couple, it's too cold, it's unsafe for you to go outside. We had a couple of those too. Like if you don't put goggles on, your eyes will freeze. Also, Madison schools were like the last ones to close yeah. all the time. And I remember so many snow days or like should have been snow days. Right. Because Everyone else around Madison was closed, but Madison public school districts would stay open. Right. And we were all so pissed about it. Well, at my high school, my school district starts with an S. So it was always like this really tense, like white knuckle experience of like hearing all the schools read off in alphabetical order and just waiting, knowing that you're like way at the end and you're like come on come on here we go come on (laughs) did you have any snow day rituals this is gonna be one of those like sad trauma things because like my snow day ritual was like i had we had to clean up all the snow and ice before my parents got home (laughs) so that we didn't go sledding really i mean every once in a while but like yeah we didn't really go sledding we didn't really do anything because if we didn't clean up all the ice and snow we were gonna catch hell when our parents got home yeah 
Sorry. No, no. I like that was part of like part of ours was like we would shovel as a family to the driveway or like whichever parent was home or usually it was both parents that were mm-hmm. home because if there's no school, mom's home for right. sure. And so like we would spend like so it would take like two hours to shovel our sidewalk and driveway. And then I lived on a hill, so our front our front yard we would sled down. Uh, it was a short hill, but it was fun. And then the other thing that we would do is we had a deck in the backyard that we would climb to the top of like and stand on the benches that were on it and jump into the snow banks below we also did that with uh we would pile all the leaves in the fall behind yeah. there and jump into that the thing we used to do not a snow day thing so much as it's just a snow thing is but especially it's good when they're fresh those giant snow banks that build up at uh-huh. the edge of uh-huh. the road uh-huh. they, they're so wet from getting plowed that they just basically turn to ice. Yep. And you can carve out like full on like prairie dog cities. Oh yeah, you can. In these, especially when you're no eight, nine, ten years old, yeah. and, you know, you're t- itty bitty and you can just like crawl through the tiniest <laughs> little spaces. But yeah, we had like these huge, like a block long, like everybody's, <laughs> fucking street everything all together like there'd just be little gaps where there was like a path and like just a hole and then another hole to the others yeah it was wild you played with there were like neighborhood kids you played with yeah kind of i were just like literally the kids i played with growing up were the kids who lived in my neighborhood like right. within like three blocks of me and we all just happened to walk like home right. from school at the same time so it was like, we might as well hang out because we're all going this way. Right. But yeah, I don't still talk to any of them. No, no. Even that... since like high school, I've been no, talking to that, kids, that's but... what I figured. But we were the only kids on our block growing oh. up. So like, I never had that like neighborhood right. feel. Like, yeah, I think like there, if there were kids, they were teenagers. Yeah. You know, so it wasn't, it wasn't the same. But well, I think because. Also, this is an effect of I grew up in a much poorer neighborhood. Yeah, than you did, absolutely. Which tends to have a lot younger people in it because yep. of the time dimension. So I think that was a lot of it was like there just were a ton of kids in my neighborhood who were right around my age. Yeah. Because we all had, you know, boomer parents. We right. were like the boomer echo kids who like we had boomer parents and then there were just happened to be a bunch of us, right. you know, 20, 30 years later. Right. Yeah, my brother and I would also make snow forts in the backyard and have snowball fights. Oh yeah, that's a classic. I remember Did that. you ever do that thing? Maybe this is just a me and my brother being sh- shitty to each other, but this has to be a thing. Did you ever do that thing where you'd make a snowball when you left school and you just keep packing that uh-huh. snowball the whole walk home? And you and your sibling are in this just like cold, this mutually assured destruction cold war where you, you each have... Like an eight ounce hunk of ice in your hands, and you know that one of you is going to fire first, and one of <laughs> that person is probably gonna kill the other one. <laughs> it never got that bad, but yeah, I remember like those. But yeah, no, because like the walk home from my elementary school to the house I grew up in is like six blocks. Okay. It's really close. Like you could almost see it. Like, yeah, yeah. From the from that street or whatever. So like. We would walk home together all the time, and yeah, I would just spend the whole 15 minutes like, here we go, it's gonna happen, it's coming, it's coming for you. 
freaking weirdo. <laughs> I know. I don't know why I'm like this. I also just think I have it in my notes that Carl is doing all this stuff. He's always doing something for money. Yeah. He's like a he's like a tiny capitalist, and I think it's actually kind of sad and disgusting like i know as a country we think that lemonade stands like kids trying to make money selling stuff like that like i get that we think it's cute and heartwarming but it does kind of speak to like i mean one not only to like a problem of the system that like people don't make enough money that their children can like get the things they want without you know hawking shit to strangers but also just that like the capitalist dogma is so ingrained that even from the time you're like eight years old, everybody's like, well, you got to have a hustle. How are you going to make money? You're going to starve if you don't have a hustle, nine year old. I also think, I mean, I think the way the stories are written this round, they are more him doing a hustle because of his weird his weird science love yeah because like with the dog sitting he's getting like the dentist chair thing cup thing yeah Yeah. and like and the vampire cleaning business is so he can hunt for a dog napper right yeah i don't know i think also like you you would know this more than me but like i'm assuming part of it is also like knowing that he like he's learned that he can't ask his mom for shit right and you know because they're poor yeah it's it's made i mean i they're not destitute but they're a single income income household household. like i also grew up mostly in a single income household and there's just only so much you can do with one income right and like i hear your anti-capitalism and I... i i don't think it's i don't think it's fundamentally unethical for children to have a business I do think, like everything else in this country, we need to really do some self-examination yeah. about whether or not it's healthy. Yeah. <laughs> and especially, as... I think, because as a country, like, as adults, we have such a toxic hustle culture that I think it's almost impossible that that hustle culture isn't trickling down to our children, which is a fucking crime. Like, children should just be allowed to be children and, like grow and fall and have experiences and not have to worry about like a mortgage yeah you also have to remember that i i I fell for it for a (laughs) while and used to work trade shows with my dad when i was like 12 look i learned sales early and i'm good at it 12 year olds can sell you a lot of shit but it is child labor oh yeah and it's not great no like it's not great that we not only do we have a class of worker that makes minimum wage because we've decided that certain people don't deserve to live, but also to undercut those people, we hire children because there's no laws about how much you have to pay them. So we could just do whatever the fuck we want. Like how much when you were babysitting as a kid, how much money did you make an hour? Because I know when I was babysitting as a kid, I was making way the fuck below federal minimum wage. Oh, I didn't get an hourly. I got a, you could have, you'll yeah, get. Yeah, it was at, like 20 bucks, bucks for a night, hour. but it was like six, eight hours. Yeah. You were there and you made 20 bucks. Like, what's that, $4 an hour? That's fucking ludicrous. Yeah. My math is bad. It's not that, but whatever. Fuck oh, I, uh, I remember doing filing work for a, a family friend who paid me $25 for four hours of my life. Yeah. Um, which like. That should be a crime. Yeah. Like, 
just because kids say they want to help you, you should not let them help you. Or, or properly value. I think the true problem is we need to learn to properly value labor. Absolutely. As, as a country, we have just decided to ourselves that labor doesn't actually have a value and the value is only tied to like the value of the product that you produce. Right. So if you produce a cheap product like a coffee or a fast food, you don't deserve to live. But if you're Amazon and you produce, you know, the the biggest online retailer in history, well, you deserve to make a hundred billion dollars because the thing you make right. costs more. Yeah, it's more it's definitely more about the product than about the labor itself and the work. <laughs> you wanna get real mad about something? Yeah. Always. So Wisconsin used to be the like state like a leader in labor rights, yeah. right? And like was we are our our one famous senator fighting Bob LaFollette, who was a yeah. a famous pro union guy. I don't remember if it was Dane County or statewide. But they passed a law that allowed 14-year-olds to work later Uh so that they can pay them less and because they can't get enough adults to do the job. Right. Yeah. Because I certainly, I remember I started working at McDonald's as a minor and they absolutely paid me the minimum amount that was allowed. And they absolutely worked me to the very last second I was allowed to be on the clock. Which shouldn't be allowed. Like, no. you shouldn't be allowed to work until 9 p.m. And then go home, do your homework, and go to high school at 7 a.m. the next day. No. Like, that's a fucking crime. That's not okay. That's not okay at all. Yeah, we definitely do not value labor as a commodity in this country. Because, like, we don't value... We've decided that we don't value humans. No, we do not. Right? Like, we value products, not human beings. Yeah. It's disgusting. Which is why we care more about, like, homeless people not sleeping outside of an expensive fucking condo building then we care about actually housing those homeless people right we care more about the value of those condos than we care about the actual human life of a human being we have to absolutely have to talk about we have to talk about the grip lanes yeah and this whole like senator's son situation oh god the thing i have in my notes is like if you ever need proof that we live in an oligarchy just look at how we treat the children of elected officials. Yeah. Because, like, elected officials are public servants. In my estimation, you should treat the son of a senator the same way you treat the son of a trash man. Absolutely. You appreciate all the hard work that his fa- the hard work that his father does or whatever, right? Like, they're not, like, the fact that a senator's son is, like, a golden child who gets to do whatever they want and it's get into whatever school they want is yeah it's fucking disgusting we get to break the rules for you because your daddy because you're in the special no because we know that you are in the special class of people who gets to make decisions and as a country we've decided that we get to buy the people who make decisions so if i get close enough to you i know that i can buy my agenda because that's how our political system works I would also like to stop down and just point out that both of us assumed male when it came to being a senator because <laughs> that's what our history is taught Historically, us. Historically, which they is basically disgusting. All are. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, the griplings in this 
batch episodes. Really, it might just be because I'm extra mad at classism lately. Right. But like the way the way that the Grippling children treated their butler, I forget his yeah, name. I can't remember his name either. During the snow day episode made me so fucking mad. So fucking mad. Like of course of course the like again, we've said this before. It is not the fault of children for what their parents have done to earn that money. Right. But it is on them to check how they behave with the world around them. Absolutely. There's a fucking snowstorm going on that is the roads closed. Why do you think the mall is going to be open? Right. Why are you forcing your staff to drive you to the mall? And then why are you treating him like shit when it's your fault that you were going out in this snowstorm at all? Right. Also, of course they don't think that a natural disaster applies to them. They're rich. Right. And, like, that's part of being rich and privileged is that lots of barriers don't apply to you. Things like fines for crimes, like we talked about in Clueless. Like, many barriers just don't exist because they're only money barriers. And if you can throw money at them, they don't exist. And why, as a rich person, would you assume that this is not also a problem you could throw money at? Right. Which is like why rich people think climate change isn't a problem. It's why they think houselessness isn't a problem. It's why they think health, like lack of a public health insurance isn't a problem because they can throw money at it. Yeah. And so they don't think about the fact that it's a barrier for people who can't just throw money at everything. Yeah. And again, then like having Courtney assume that like someone can just hold her place for her and like that it takes work and ginger like it's not just ginger being nice and like talking her up for a few days right. which also would have worked yeah you know but like oh it's a whole thing and like being proud of being snobby is a personality trait that i find infuriating yeah because it's just like a superiority complex with more steps. Yes, exactly. Like, do things that make you feel fancy. That's fine. Right. I don't care. Don't be an asshole about it. Right. Other people are allowed to enjoy the things they enjoy. Like, I am maybe, this is like, here's a good example. I'm really picky about the TV shows that I watch. Right. If I'm going to throw my energy into 100 episodes of something, I need to really like it. Yeah. I don't begrudge people... I don't begrudge you, for example, for watching seven seasons of Lucifer. (laughs) Even though I couldn't get through three episodes of Lucifer. Because, like, man, you fucking enjoy it. I'm not going to shit on you for enjoying Lucifer just because it's not for me. And, like, in the same way, you're allowed to have expensive tastes. You're allowed to have particular tastes. What you're not allowed to do is shit on other people's tastes. Yeah. Were you ever the friend that uh, parents disapproved of? Because, like, the way Hoodsy's mom treats Carl. Right? Yeah. I I have a note, too, that, like... Yeah, the friend that your parents disapprove of is always the cool one that right? you actually want to hang out with. Right. No, I definitely, I mean, one of the, the the great curses of being autistic, right, is that, like, I'm very much like a, especially as a kid, I was very much a rule oh, follower. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Parents loved me. Parents love that shit because I'm just like, oh, there are rules. I love that. I love some structure. So, yeah, no, parents loved me. But I had so many kids I wasn't allowed to hang out with because, like, my mom didn't like them for whatever reason. Right. Because they would probably call her out on her bullshit. Yeah, probably. I got told one time that I wasn't allowed to hang out with some kids because I 
came back i like spent the night there and i like slept in my clothes and stuff and i Mm -hmm. came back and my mom was like "Ugh, you smell like their house you're not allowed to go back there anymore and i was like man i'm fucking 13 and i slept in my clothes like i'm gonna smell like shit no matter where i'm sleeping go fuck yourself i know i kind of like i mean maybe this is a thing that happens a lot but maybe it just needs to be more pronounced I kind of like that Courtney is rich and she thinks of herself as popular, but we see no evidence to the point of her actually being popular in the world. Like, we know Miranda likes her, and we know that, like, Dodie is always trying to impress her, but do we actually know that she's popular? Does Miranda like her? Uh, I think they just like shitting on people together. Yeah. Like which which at that likes her at that age is a form of friendship. That's fair. Yeah. Like I, I remember like oh we hate the same people we we were cool. Right. Right. Um. But yeah. Uh. Because we also like when we see Ginger interacting with her so called friends, Ginger gives an answer that is like very Ginger esque and right. like not very Courtney esque, and that seems to do. It more than just pretending to be Courtney. Right. And I definitely think that, like, no, Courtney is, no one likes Courtney. Yeah. Because she's kind of the worst. She's kind of the worst. But I think it's really funny that she thinks she's popular. Oh, yeah. Because it's that, like, insulating influence of privilege, right? Right. Where, like, everyone in her life, everyone that she interacts with does dote on her and give her everything she wants. So why wouldn't she assume that everyone in the world would dote on her and give her what she wants? Yeah, because I mean, like, she does seem to have a lot of friends, or at least people who want to impress her, if you look at the talent show episode. That's true, yeah. Like, how many people were, like, want in her skit and wanted to be part of her, and even though it was all about her. But, like... like you can't tell me that you didn't know a kid who everyone liked because they had a pool. Yeah, exactly. Or because they, you know, they had the biggest house, they had a pool table or a, a ping pong table in their basement. Yeah, no, she's definitely like she's only liked because she's rich. Exactly. Which, like, I don't, I don't want to empathize with rich people necessarily, but it is a fun struggle to give to a rich person. Yeah, I that really. They're so insulated that they kind of can't get genuine human connection, which I think kind of is why Courtney's always reaching out to Ginger. Yeah, because. Ginger is someone who is clearly not at all interested in impressing her or accessing her money. Right. And so she sees in Ginger someone with whom she can have like an actual human connection that isn't based on her popularity or her money. She just as a person doesn't know how to win friends without using those things. Yeah, totally. Because I'm who I am, I also want to read this as Courtney has a crush on Ginger. Because that would also be fucking adorable. That would be really super cute. But it's the 90s, yeah. so it's not going to happen. Yeah, but probably not. I really, really hope we get a gay character on this show. I don't think we're gonna. I don't think we're gonna. Because it's like 2001. But, oh, man, it's so fucking sad to be a gay kid. Like, now it's not. I mean, now there's fucking cartoons and TV shows aplenty with gay characters. I mean, not all over the place. But there's more. But more. Man, when I was a kid, like, the idea of lesbians, like, never even entered my brain. Like, it never even crossed my mind 
until like the L word. Yeah, uh, it took one of my friends coming out for me to go, that's an option? Right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> funny enough, we are we uh, are both turned out to be trans mask. <laughs> and, but it was in middle school. They came out in middle school. And I just remember being like, I, <laughs> I was the classic, I'm just a really good ally. <laughs> and just like wanting to ask them questions about it constantly. And uh. not like in a, ooh, you you know, like sexy secret of girl on girl bullshit that like was but so much. Just but, in like, like, like a probing, a, interested, interest, like, like what, what is this way? Like what, a forensic way. Right, almost. like what's kissing a girl like? Is it as fun as it sounds <laughs> oh. yeah they're so fucking soft it's they're fantastic. so soft oh <laughs> i love girls oh, i'm so yeah. gay I, know. I love that no matter who i'm attracted to it's gay <laughs> yeah i had this kind of a similar experience that like literally the first time that I had heard that I heard of anyone we knew describing themselves as bisexual literally the first words out of my mouth were like oh me too like, it didn't even occur, like, I didn't, I mean, part of it is that I have a problem right. processing my thoughts and not saying them. Right. Um, but, like, as soon as the idea entered my brain that, like, oh, you can be gay and still be attracted to people of the opposite sex also right was like oh yeah galaxy brain i was like oh yeah that obviously like isn't everyone isn't everyone like i don't care really like some boys are cute that's fine yeah i yeah my relationship with my bisexuality is weird it's complicated (laughs) because it's like i feel like i'm bisexual in the way that most women are which is like i'm attracted to all women and three men yeah like, I'm not unattracted to men. It's just, like, my requirements are so specific that I'm basically attracted to no men. Yeah, I I definitely felt the push of, like, you need, you're either straight or you're gay. There's, like, no in-between. Totally. And, like, <laughs> it's really sweet. My best friend at the time, we stayed friends when we were going through college as well. And when we were in college, they apologized for saying some biphobic pieces of shit that they said. Because they, like because so like i was like i came out as a lesbian and i was like Uh girls i get it and then as i got older i was like i I had the classic like well i haven't slept with men either how do i know that i'm not attracted to them like i still like because i like i am and like so i still had the like i gotta find out and Uh she gave me shit for wanting to like date someone just for the experience of dating a man and i'm like why not? not? That's what being a teenager is about. Right. But like, I definitely like, it took me a long time to also to like settle into my bisexuality and like really embrace it and actually understand that I am pretty 50, 50. I think especially when you're a kid, I mean, this, both the fact that I was a kid and also the fact that it was the early two thousands. Like when I came out, and everyone I knew who came out as bisexual, it was understood that they meant they were gay. Yeah. Like, and almost all the people I know from that time who identified as bisexual are now gay. And so many people assumed when I came out that I was gay, just gay and didn't want to, like, right. fully commit. 
I was like actually trying to say the opposite thing, which is like at the time I was like, I just want everyone to know that I'm into women in a gay way. It's important to me yeah. that you know that I'm, yes, I'm into women, but it's, I'm f- real gay about it. 